It's time to wake up with the morning boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. Good Monday morning and welcome into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Morning Boys with Ryan Hickey right here exclusively on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hopefully you had an uh, enjoyable, fun, relaxing weekend. Got to go to the beach, got to enjoy the good weather, got to do whatever you wanted to do, obviously in a safe and socially distant manner. And we appreciate you starting your week right here with us on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. We appreciate you having you in. Hopefully we can keep you here for, uh, for at least the next two hours as we are here till 11 a.m. on the East Coast. <sighs> with, unfortunately, a lot to get into. Usually, obviously, it's always good when there's a lot of sports news going on. It always makes the show. It makes, honestly, my job a lot easier. You know, there's more to react to. It's, you can really kind of dive in and, and go real deep on a few topics rather than sometimes, you know, other weeks, especially with no sports for four months. Some shows, as I'm sure you can imagine, sure you can listen to, were, uh, were tougher to come up with than others. But unfortunately, like I said, this is one of those shows where, in theory, it should be good because there's a lot of news to talk about. A lot of college football news specifically. But unfortunately, all that news is not really good at all if you're a college football fan. It, at this point, the season is all but dead. It's all but over. We are just waiting for the official word from the Big Ten, from any of the other Power Five conferences. And so far, at least from all the reports you hear, from all of the um, tweets you see, it is not good. So we will talk about what the hell happened because that's one of my biggest takeaways. We'll get, we'll get that here. We'll try to get some answers um, for Bill Bender, a great, great, great college football reporter, um, national college football for the Sporting News. He'll join us in just about a half hour, 940 or so, um, on the East Coast here because I, I feel, you know, I try to come to this show with answers. I try to at least look at, you know, things that happen in the sports world, look at topics, look at breaking news, and at least try to find some sort of answer, some sort of clarity here, uh, and go from a discussion from there. But I have way more questions than answers. I personally feel blindsided, which I'll get into here to start in just a second. And hopefully Bill can give us some answers of how we got here, what is going on, and really what was the impetus for all of a sudden, it feels like in a, in a blink of an eye, college football going from it's going to start on time, we're going to have, we're going to try to have a season, who knows if we can finish, we'll try to have a season, to then just hours later, all of a sudden the season is not even going to get started. Uh, so do that 940, 10 o'clock. If you're a big golf fan, a great and exciting golf tournament this weekend out of TPC Harding Park. That's Colin Morikawa wins the PGA Championship. I want to kind of talk about that tournament in this perspective. Because if you watch a lot of the coverage, whether it's on ESPN, whether it's on CBS, see a lot of tweets. Obviously, Tiger Woods still has a lot of pull. right? He's still very relevant in the golf world. He's still very relevant to a lot of the casual golf fans. But really, you know, he had a, he had a nice showing on Thursday. He was in the mix um, after the first day of the tournament. But other than that, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he really was in the morning groups. He was out, you know, he was out there early, done early, and really was off the relevancy meter in terms of trying to contend for a championship. I'm curious, in your mind, if you're a casual golf fan, does golf still needs Tiger? I mean, does golf still need Tiger Woods? Excuse me, anymore? Does he have to be good for golf to continue to grow their game, to expand their reach to new audiences, and kind of captivate you, the watch, the viewer? Does Tiger Woods still have to be good in order to you, for you to watch golf? We'll discuss that at the top of the second hour, ten o'clock Eastern. Twenty twenty apocalypse is back. The uh, we already have one Final Four, or I should say, excuse me, one championship. Slot filled with the three-seed Sarah Troncalli beating 
in overtime, the number two seed, Cody Eno. So she is in the championship. We will find out who she'll be facing later on today at 10-20. The number one seed, Joe Padel. The lawyer himself, very, very busy these last few weeks working on a moot court debate team. He has been very successful at that, but we'll see if he's uh, in tune with the news as he will take on the five seed, Lauren Clark, at 1020 Eastern with the winner going to the championship round with the crown of 2020 or Apocalypse awaiting them or a chance to at least crown themselves 2020 Apocalypse. And I want to finish the show with a little bone to pick with certain media personalities in sports and look at it from the angle of if you're doing your job, especially as a reporter, that doesn't mean you're rooting for your own job to fail. I'll explain it. I'll finish the show. Kind of gets off my chest because I've seen it a bunch now these last few weeks and months, and it's driven me crazy to the point where I really want to just bring it up and address it and kind of get it off my chest. So we'll finish the show with that at 1040 Eastern. But like I said, once we signed off on Thursday's show, did not think we would be talking anything near what we're going to talk about here a lot in this first hour. And that question is, and that discussion is, essentially what the hell happened to the college football season? Because personally, from yours truly, I am shocked that essentially we've gone from starting the season, releasing the schedule, practices starting, to now all of a sudden we're not going to have a season. We're not going to try. The season's over. It's dead. Maybe we'll get spring. Maybe, maybe not. But college football in the fall is all but over. So at least to me, this feels like it's come out of nowhere. And I'll say this, at least, you know, obviously we've had a lot of tough shows. Right, we've, we've kind of restarted the morning boys with myself here, I think right around March, right when the pandemic first started. So we've been on it basically since the beginning. I've had little, little sports to talk about for the most part. So I feel like at least personally, maybe I'm wrong. If I am wrong, please let me know. Facebook, World Art Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, WWSRN underscore radio. Tweet me, write on Facebook, comment if you think I am, I am wrong in this thought that I'm about to put out here or this assertion I'm about to put out here. But I personally feel the way we've handled the show the last four months is that we've looked at the coronavirus, I think, realistically, and its impact on sports, I should say. But I think, you know, there's no hiding or there's no trying to deny the fact that college football especially was going to be the hardest sport to resume during the pandemic. I don't think the strategy, at least for myself, was kind of bury your head in the sand, pretend the virus isn't going on, and just hope it goes away by the time college football starts. I don't think we've kind of been fear mongers or, you know, being almost too overly dramatic or too overly, yeah, I guess dramatic is the right word, too overly dramatic in terms of the impact of coronavirus, sports cannot resume, you know, freaking out over one test. I feel like for the most part, and again, this is a personal assertion here, I feel like we've handled it for the most part in a realistic manner. Sports want to resume, positive tests are going to happen. You got to do the best you can to keep players safe, um, keep coaches safe and keep everyone at least safe. So I feel like in, in at least addressing and recognizing the coronavirus is a real thing. The pandemic is a real thing. It's serious. You can't, you know, it's not something to just sneeze at or it's not something to just kind of lock yourself in your room for the, next, the, uh, for the last four months and just kind of not even see the sunlight. But with that said, so I feel like we've been on top of it, right? We, we've discussed in previous shows the challenges college football has to face. I really thought the, uh, the conference-only schedule, to me, was the best opportunity for college football to play because all the testing protocols are the same. Once you start playing teams outside your conference, once you start playing teams in lower conferences with smaller budgets and less testing resources, to me, that is where you really put teams at risk. If you have teams like Alabama 
like Clemson playing Chattanooga or, you know, a Division three school or a Division one a school, yeah, their resources aren't going to be the same out of Alabama, out of Clemson. Can't test as regularly. So I really thought, at least for Kyle Triple to have a chance, I liked the conference-only schedule. And I think, or at least I thought, I should say, that while July was bad, right? July coming off of July 4th, going to middle of July and end of July, we had outbreaks on campuses all around the country. Teams were struggling to even just hold voluntary workouts without players getting sick. I'll be honest, that was really a low point, at least for me, of having confidence that college football could be played this fall. But I'll be honest, I feel like those concerns kind of quieted down. The positive tests around college campuses have kind of slowed down a little bit here in the last few weeks. And at least looking at the landscape of the country and looking at the landscape of these universities, the virus the last few weeks has not gotten worse. In some cases, it's actually gotten better. Look at Northwestern. Northwestern is a perfect example of a team that had a positive test, shut it all down, was quarantining, and realized then that positive test was actually a false positive. No one was actually, no one actually had contracted the virus, which is good. I mean, obviously, you know, rather be safe than sorry, but it's good that you rather have a false positive than a false negative. So Northwestern was back at practice. Ohio State, a team that had to quarantine, shut down, they're back at practice. So your team's starting to come out of this. And at least it seemed to appear to that college football was going to start. Again, who knows once it actually gets started, if they can keep players safe and they can finish the season. But it seemed that all indications, once we got past July, and there's really no discussion of canceling the season, moving it to the fall, even delaying it a month or two, it seemed like, okay, we're going to try. We're going to attempt to start. We'll see where we get from there. So to me now, to, to all of a sudden log on Twitter on Saturday morning, to see whether it's the likes of Pete Thamel does a great job at Yahoo. Pat Forty does a great job at Sports Illustrated. They've been all over the impact of the virus in college athletics specifically. Tweeting out and saying, you know, industry sources are telling them that basically the season's all but dead. Big Ten is desperate to, to cancel their season. Feels out of nowhere. And I'm going to ask you, where did this come from? Am I living in some, I don't think I'm living in some sort of fancy world here where, again, I had my head buried in the sand and just assumed that, you know, everything's going to be okay. We've laid out the challenges on this show. And with that said, there was still really, I feel like there was no real warning. There was no, there was no real inclination that all of a sudden the season was in peril. Dennis Dowd, who's been on the show, does a great job at CBS Sports covering college football specifically. He wrote an article on Saturday talking to two different Power 5 athletic directors. And this is quotes that they told him anonymously in his article. I want to read these for you. So one Power 5 athletic director over the weekend called, told Dennis Dowd, quote, I think it's inevitable. The season will not be played this fall. Another Power 5 athletic director. I'm in the opinion of it's when, not if, the 2020 season is canceled. The MAC, Mid-American Conference, who was the first Division I conference to cancel their fall season, their, their announcement on Saturday morning adds more momentum to the finish line. I think everyone's medical group is now telling them all the same thing. We have to keep having these same conversations, end quote. So two different Power 5 athletic directors are, are telling Dennis Dodd, it's inevitable, essentially the season's dead, and it's a question of when, not if. But here's my question. Where was the sentiment earlier this week? Where was the sentiment last week, two weeks ago? Because guess what? Guess what these universities, guess what these conferences did last week? They inspired hope. The Pac-12, the ACC, the Big Ten, the SEC, four of the five Power Five conferences, all last week 
released their schedules. All of them. Pac-12 announced their start on September 26th. The Big Ten tried to start on Labor Day weekend. The ACC and the SEC are starting a little later on, but they all released their new schedules. Their 10-game schedules, they all released the different opponents when they're playing. So if this was such a concern, if this was such an inevitability, according to his athletic directors, why would you release the schedule? Not to mention, not only releasing the schedule, they started practice already. Ohio State's at practice. The Big Ten is at practice. How are you starting practice and training camp for a season that is supposed to, if you're Ohio State, and if you're anyone in the Big Ten, starting in less than a month? It's August 10th. Ohio State's playing September 3rd. A lot of the other teams are playing September 5th on Labor Day weekend. How are you starting practice if you have this sentiment, if you have this belief that the season is going to be canceled and it's, it's inevitable that the season is going to be canceled? How? How? If you were that concerned, if you were that dead set and you had that much conviction that there was no season going to be had this fall, you wouldn't put out the schedule. You wouldn't even allow teams to continue to work out, let alone practice. What are you doing? And now, if you've been on Twitter, especially recently within the last few hours, you've seen a lot of players come out and voice their opinion of they want to play. So here's another question I have. Along with why'd you put out the schedules, why allowing teams to practice, how much of players, the ones actually on the field, the ones actually taking the risk, how much have they been consulted through this process? Because guess what? Just two weeks ago, when we talked about the Pac 12 players uniting together and putting out their list of demands, it seems like their main concern forget the revenue, forget the NIL for a second, forget the money aspect. A lot of their concerns, a lot of their demands, we're centered around protocols for keeping them safe during the pandemic. Different ways that schools can implement protocols to keep the players safe, testing to keep everyone on the same page, and keep the transparency basically the main issue, or, or the main, main goal, I should say. Excuse me. So now, you know, that's my question. The players are actually taking the risk. Were they consulted at all? Because similar to what the NFL did, we saw the NFL players all tweeting in hashtags they want to play. Major League Baseball tweeted that when and where, when they wanted to play, when they are having their labor negotiations. Football players are doing the same thing. Hashtag I want to play. We want to play. We are united. And now last night, led by Trevor Lawrence, it seems like the players started some sort of a de facto players union. So if they want to play, if they've been given the option to opt out if they don't feel safe, right, which we've seen plenty of players, including prominent players, take that option. So if the players want to play, you give them the option to opt out. What is holding up a fall season? I don't understand. And what I really don't understand is this enlightenment, is this falling in love with aspect of spring football. Because according to the reports you hear, according to the reporters that are especially tied into the Big Ten, the new Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, is a big fan, a big proponent of spring football. Now, I've talked about it on this show. We've talked about it weeks ago. Would a spring football season be a good idea? And I'll be honest. I'm going to backtrack here. I thought about it. Pete Thamel wrote some great articles about advocating for spring football. I, I really did think, you know what, maybe this is a viable option. But the more I think about it, now we're that this close. You think about the real challenges. And when you hear athletic directors like Penn State Sandy Barber saying spring is the last resort, 
thought about it more, you did some more research, you understand why it's a last resort. It really is going to be very difficult to pull off a spring season. No guarantee the virus will be any better in February, March than it is right now. No guarantee the vaccine will be created, let alone be effective. And you're going to have a significantly shorter season. Significantly. And we have 10 games. I thought that was pretty legitimate. Who knows? You could have six games, let alone all the players that would leave to go to the draft and try to keep their um, draft stock high. Not to mention playing two, two seasons in a calendar year. So I'll be honest, I hearing this news over the weekend, especially on Saturday, and now seeing the players trying their hardest to revive the season, but constantly seeing reports that the season is basically dead on arrival. We're just waiting now for official word. I, I am blo- uh, blown away. I am shocked, flabbergasted, floored. Because I'll be honest, I didn't see this coming. I thought we had our ear to the ground. I thought we'd be doing a good job of monitoring the situation. And even myself, I am f- floored and shocked that we have come to this conclusion on August 10th. I'm not sure what happened to delaying the season. Remember, we had all these different ideas. We had Brett McMurphy on, who was one of the first reporters to discuss the different options college football had, including delaying it until October, constantly putting the season back, maybe even putting half the season in the fall, half the season in the spring. And now it feels like college football and their university presidents and their athletic directors and the commissioners of the different conferences are all just bypassing all those different ideas they threw out there in March and April and just going right to canceling the season. Which I think if they cancel this fall season, I don't think a fall season, I mean, I don't think a spring season is going to work and come to light, which means we will be without couch football for a full calendar year. From 2019 to 2021. It's going to be a long, long time without, to me, personally, the greatest sport that there is in this country. So I'm curious, what are your emotions? Because at least for me, again, I am... I was taken back, shocked, very, very disappointed, very depressed. So I'd love, love to get you, just your emotions because, again, I don't know about yourself. For me, I was definitely shocked by this decision. I didn't see it coming. I feel blindsided. And should they try to have a college football season this fall? I'm 100% on that side. I think they should absolutely try. Again, who knows if it's even possible? Who knows if the NFL could even get a season off? To me, seeing the players wanting to play. Looking that spring is not really, to me, at least a real option. I think they should try. If they try, it doesn't work out. Okay, what are you going to do? We're in a pandemic. The virus wins as usual. At least we tried. At least you tried. To basically just punt and basically almost pull the rug out from everyone and having these emergency meetings and making these decisions so swiftly and it feels, again, out of nowhere. It really is things that really hurt. So I'm curious your thoughts. Should they even try to have a college football season this fall? Should we try to push through and play and see what happens? Try to punt to the spring? Wait till 2021? And what are your emotions? Because I know for me, I am depressed. I am sad and uh, definitely confused for sure. So we'll get your thoughts, whether it's Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter. And when we come back, there is one report, one tweet I saw that gave me pause and made me think. Is there a bigger issue than just the coronavirus that is motivating university presidents, because they're really the ones in charge, 
that is motivating university presidents to cancel the college football season. I'll tell you what that one aspect is. Again, greater concern to university presidents of the coronavirus uh, and a possible, uh, potentially the reason why college football would not be played this fall. I'll tell you what it is in the Morning Boys right hand return right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the Morning Boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. And we are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network trying to put the pieces together of what led to all of a sudden it feels like the sudden downfall and the sudden collapse of a 2020 college football season, at least this fall. Seems from all the reports you, you read, all the tweets that you see being published, the season is all but dead. It is all but over. We are waiting the official word from whether it's the Pac-12 conference to be the first Power 5 to announce that they are not playing fall sports, the Big Ten, or possibly all five of the Power 5 conferences with a united message that there is no college football at all this fall, which we're talking and we're reacting to getting your emotions to. Because personally for me, blindsided, shocked, because this feels like it came out of nowhere. We'll try to get some answers in just about 10 minutes or so. Bill Bender, Sporting News, National College Football Reporter. We'll try to give us some answers. Is this surprising? Should we really be shocked? And really what led to all of a sudden what feels like to me at least this rapid uh, development that went from we're going to start a season, we're going to put the schedule out, we're going to start practices. A few hours later, a few days later, you know what, screw it, we're done. No college football this fall. So getting your thoughts, getting your reaction, whether it's on Facebook, World Art Sports, or Amherst, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. You want to tweet me personally, Ryan underscore Hickey. And the number three, getting your reaction. So obviously, at least my main premise on the open here was obviously the, the concern, the main concern for canceling the season was because of the coronavirus. Obviously, we're in a pandemic. Affects everyone, and football, as we know, is the one sport that is essentially the perfect spreader of the virus. Tough, especially to keep college kids safe. There's no bubble. You know, a lot of these big-time universities will have thousands and thousands and thousands of students coming back to them um, within the next few weeks here. So really, that was always going to be the toughest sport to resume, always going to be the toughest sport to get up and running. And... Okay, fine. Like I said, I'm still very, very hurt. Very, you know, it stings to hear the news that there's no college football this fall. But, you know, it is a virus. It is a pandemic. Fine. I'll have to get over it. I'll have to suck it up. But there's one aspect that was also being floated out on Twitter this weekend that I think if this is the reason, if there's one concern that university presidents are worried about that's more than the coronavirus, if this is the, truly the real reason why all of a sudden college football is in peril, it's unacceptable. It's disgusting. And I'll tell you what it is. So Matt Hayes, he's a senior college football reporter for Bleach Report. When he floated this out there on Saturday afternoon, after a lot of the Twitter buzz, after a lot of the discussion has been, all of a sudden university presidents now are concerned about the virus. They are concerned that they can't keep their players safe. They are going to be held liable. And because of that, they don't want to pursue and continue and try to have a college football season this fall. Matt Hayes received a text from a Power 5 athletic director. And I want to read you this, this tweet that he put out and read you the text because I'll, I'll tell you, this is, if this is true the reason, this, this is going to be really bad. And I'm not talking about, you know, really bad for the future of college sports. I'm talking about really bad from the reaction, the blowback these universities are going to get. 
So this is what a Power 5 athletic director texted Matt Hayes. He said, quote, you and your colleagues are chasing the wrong story. The virus alone is enough to stop the season, but presidents are terrified of players organizing. It's a paradigm shift to change amateur sports. You potentially lose one season with the virus. You lose an entire framework of your mission statement with players organizing. They need time to figure out how to attack it. So the coronavirus, yes, can stop the season dead in its tracks. Yes, it is enough to put the fear of God in university presidents to really look out and be concerned about the health of their players out on the field. But put the coronavirus aside. Put the, the health concerns aside. The bigger concern, at least with a Power 5 AD, told Matt Hayes, and you think this Power 5 AD is in the know. He's someone who's had the discussions, who's close with his university president. He's saying the bigger concern for university presidents, the ones ultimately that are going to make the call on a season or not, their bigger concern, they are terrified of players organizing, they are terrified of players coming together, and finally trying to change the landscape and get rid of this dopey, phony amateur sports tag that hangs over these athletes that prevents them from getting the proper revenue they deserve. Think about that. Because for years and centuries, these schools have made tons and tons of money, hand over fist, on free labor, essentially. They, they are so, so frightened of, this, of players actually getting what they deserve, of getting equal rights to literally anyone else in this country. Because what other job do you bring in a ton of revenue? Do you do your job, help your company be successful, and you see zero cents of it? You don't see a dime of it. Who works for free? So because college universities have gotten so used to this living of free labor, bringing in hundred or at least say tens of millions of dollars year after year after year, now that I want to pay for it, now they said, you know what? In theory, it's cheaper to not play a season. Lose, in some cases, you have Wisconsin, you have Penn State claim that they will lose $100 million alone if fans aren't in the stands this year. They scrap it all. Lose the TV revenue. Lose the conference revenue. In their mind, it's cheaper to not play than it is to give the athletes their property. And that is just, I'm sorry, that's disgusting. That is unacceptable, and that's absolutely disgusting if that's the case. And what I, I don't understand, from my perspective, is that no matter what you know, these university presidents are going to do, they can kick and scream all they want. Players are getting paid next year, let alone. This time next year, players will be getting paid. Because states have taken it into their own hands, have enacted laws, that say you cannot penalize and you cannot prevent students from getting money based on their own name, image, and likeness. So if a company wants to sponsor a player, they have the right to do so. That player has the right to take the money and advocate and sponsor and do whatever the, you know, a spokesman for that company does. Just like everybody else in this country. If you're great at science and NASA wants to sponsor you and pay you to do some sort of project while you're a student in college, guess what? Guess what schools don't say? No, you can't do that. If anything, they laud that. They brag about that. Oh, one of our students is working for NASA. They're getting paid to work on this project. Oh, one of our students is great in the medical field. They're working on this experimental drug to help everyone with depression or help everyone with cancer. 
Athletics is the only venture in this entire country, no matter what line of work you're in, where anyone who wants to make money off just being themselves can't do so. Can't do so. If you're Johnny Mandel, when, when he was exploding at Texas a if someone wants to pay you for an autograph, you can't do it. Someone wants to, you know, a local deli wants to say, hey, the official deli of Johnny Manziel, he goes here. You profit off of just being yourself, being a celebrity in your local town. Can't do it. And now we may not have college football. Because these university presidents, these schools are so scared that the money's going to be leaving their pockets and going to the pockets of the players that actually deserve the money. They said, screw it, we're not playing this year. We need, we need time to figure this out. We need time to squash this. But this is what I don't get. It's coming anyway. July 2021, these players are getting paid. Because once the first state, I, I forget, I apologize, I think it's Florida, is the first state where, where they are, their bill has passed, and it's going to law July 2021. And once the first state happens, these other states are not going to get left behind. Because guess what? If Florida currently is the only school for two or three years where players can actually make money, guess where a lot of players are going to go to school in? And a lot of these other conferences, a lot of these other schools aren't losing money, aren't losing recruits, because they can't give the players the same rights and opportunities that schools in Florida can. So it's coming. Name, image, likeness is coming this time next year, whether you like it or not, if you're a university president. So what are you kicking and screaming about? Do you know how hard it is to get agreement on political sides by both sides? Democrats, Republicans, left, right? It's impossible. Anything. Anything, right? The color of the sky, no one can agree upon. But guess what everyone agrees upon? In these, in these political realms, college athletes getting paid. Because guess what? These bills that have been proposed in these different states have passed unanimously, have gone through like that. Because everyone agrees and realizes the absurdity that free labor, with these, especially with college football, it is. that they, they aren't allowed to make money off their own name, image, and likeness. So if there's one issue that everyone agrees upon, and that's players should, get, should be able to profit off themselves, and the only ones kicking and screaming, the only ones pushing back are these schools and the university presidents. Guess what? I truly believe that while the coronavirus concerns are real, they are there, and they are serious. I believe what this uh, Power 5 athletic director told Matt Hayes. I believe that the real reason is that they don't want these players to get more power. They don't want to pay the players. And essentially, if they have a college football season this year, they are admitting amateur status is not real. Amateur status is a fraud. Because for years and years and years, they said these are just athletes. I mean, these are just students, excuse me, that play football. Sure, they happen to be great. They happen to bring in hundreds of millions of dollars for the university. But they are just students first that happen to play football. But now if you play in a pandemic, now if you play because the money depends on it, all of a sudden, the amateur status that, oh, students just wanted to play goes out the window. They are treated differently. Everyone knows it already. No one wants to admit it. No one wants to say the silent part out loud. And in doing so, university presidents are willing to tank the season if it means not admitting that players are essentially professionals, that players deserve rights, deserve payments, and are willing to take college football away this fall to, in order to hold on to that for one more year. So let's get your thoughts on that. If you believe that, if that angers you even more, because for me, it fires me up. I am... 
oh man, this is uh, this is frustrating for sure. We'll try to get some answers next. We'll we'll have Bill Bender, Sporting News, National College Football Reporter. We'll try to give us some sort of answers. Maybe it's the coronavirus concerns. Maybe it's the unionization concerns. We'll get Bill's thoughts when the Morning Boys Ryan Key return right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the morning boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. And we're back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, dedicating the whole entire first hour to trying to put the pieces together, come to a conclusion of basically how we go from the schedule getting released in a, a lot of different Power 5 conferences. Practice is actually starting in the Big Ten to then days later and even in some cases hours later. The college football season in peril. Essentially, according to some sources, that the season being canceled is inevitable at this point. And we try to put those pieces together, try to answer those questions with the great Bill Bender, Sporting News, National College Football Reporter. Follow Bill and all his great information on Twitter at BillBender92. We welcome in Bill. Bill, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. I don't <laughs> want to say well, but like everybody else, uh, it's that just empty feeling that you know what's coming and you're just kind of waiting on it to happen. And then uh, especially for somebody who went to a mid-American conference school and has followed Big Ten football his whole life, it hurts, man. I- I'm really hurting right now. So you need to cheer me up a little bit at least. Well, I, Bill, I'll be honest. I don't know if I can do that because myself because I'll be honest, unless you can tell us, that this is, you know, a miracle is going to happen in the next few hours here. That the Big Ten is actually going to, to change course. Um, we might have to, we'll try about this. We'll try to cheer each other up. Maybe we'll do a team effort. Hopefully, by the end of this interview, we can uh, both feel a little better. But I'm with you. I am very down. I'll be honest. The, this is honestly one of the worst days of 2020 for me personally as a huge college football fan um, to hear that the season essentially is in peril. So I'll ask you, essentially, as you said, you went to Ohio University, I believe that's correct? All right, so obviously, you know, you're right there with the MAC. They, they're the first FBS conference to cancel their, their season. And then right in, in the heart of Big Ten country, we hear that the Big Ten is the first and really has a lot of momentum to cancel the season. So I'll be honest, I, we started the show with this. So I was just asking, like, does anyone else feel blindsided by this? Because personally, that's how I felt. Like, that was my first reaction was to kind of feel shocked, feel blindsided by this news because I didn't really see it coming. Did, did you see something that's happening within, you know, the last few hours? Or is this, are you equally shocked? Well, I'm not shocked just because I'd, I'd maintained for a couple months now that I didn't think they were going to play. Um, but this, like you said, they released a schedule last week. The one thing that jumped out about the schedule was I thought the Big Ten filled itself some time because he, even though they had it starting on September 3rd, I think most schedules you start that. And I said all along, you got to start it the last week of September and early October, see where we're at. And Instead, we get a full schedule that starts on Labor Day week. And I don't know about you, Ryan, but there was no way that Ohio State and Illinois were going to play before Labor Day. So I'll say this, Bill. I actually actually like that because, for me, you talk about time. I actually like the early start because, to me, that's what it did. It bought them – so it was like 10 games, I believe, in 14 weeks. But if you move the the Big Ten championship back, I think – like it gave them almost – six or seven basically essentially bye weeks to where god forbid if an outbreak does happen or you want to be extra cautious you can cancel games and still make them up later on so to me at least i thought the big 10 had it right with all the schedules you start early so that way worst case scenario let's like you said right 
I mean, the odds of them starting Labor Day are small, but if they can't do it, okay, fine. You push those games back to the end of the year, and you basically keep on kicking the can down the road. So at least I had some options that they were starting that early. Um, but I guess, I guess you, didn't, you don't feel that same sentiment. No, I didn't. I didn't think they were going to start early because I just we haven't seen anybody practice. We haven't seen a tackle. That's why I keep telling people. When, when I see a tackle, I'll let you know. Um, um, but, but with all of that, I just didn't think they'd start on time. I like what they did, though, to your point, of building the time factor in there. But it seems like it's all for naught. I mean, this is coming down to a couple things. There, there's obviously more at work than just COVID here. There, there is the player movement factor. Um, you saw last night a sweeping movement from some of the game's biggest stars. Like Trevor Lawrence doesn't have to lead that lead that movement. Justin Fields doesn't have to lead that lead that movement. But those guys want to play. And I think what you're seeing is the schools with the hundred million dollar revenues and the schools with the studs that are capable of winning this thing. Um, they want to play, and, and to no surprise. And, and I think that's going to be the next big debate is, are they going to try to cobble together some makeshift league for those schools that want to play? So I guess we'll go right there then. Do you? So how much weight, I guess, do you, or how much pause do you think that this player movement, again, led by a guy in Trevor Lawrence who doesn't need to play, essentially is the one player who can afford to not play another snap and will still go number one overall? Doesn't like, if anything, playing would only hurt his stock, not really help it anymore. Um, how much weight do you think this new player movement, if anything, could maybe change the tide and change the momentum of what it feels like inevitably the Big Ten followed by everyone else canceling their season. Is there any hope that this new found player movement developed essentially late last night could really change the tide? I think no, not this year, but maybe future seasons, because I think what, what it contrasts, contradicts in some ways is the way the Pac-12 came out, made they wanted a lot, right? Right. That probably got the commissioner's attention, and I don't think they were going to get 50% of the revenue anytime soon. Now what Trevor Lawrence and Najee Harris and Justin Fields and several others tweeted out last night seemed like a perfectly reasonable plan that could have been enacted over the last six months. Yes, let players opt out. Yes, let them not lose a scholarship. Yes, let's work toward a college football players association so their voice can be heard when something like this happens. Absolutely all of those things should happen. But why are we doing this in the middle of August and not, you know, when when it's time to make these decisions? You know what I said? I just, it's a disjointedness from the top. And I think, you know, some of the, the to-do list for college football in the offseason will be to address player unions, to um, get a college football commissioner, to figure out the finances, because they're going to take a huge hit. And then uh, you wonder about the Power 5, Group of 5 separation. But I'm less about that, because I think the Group of 5 needs the Power 5, and, and in some ways, vice versa. You're going to need that money in those games in the future. It's a good point. We're talking about Bill Bender, Sporting News, National Cultural Reporter, at BillBender92 on Twitter. So, Bill, I'm curious. I actually was reading a, um, an article this morning. I, I apologize, forget the author, but it's on Cleveland.com. And they're making the argument that a player union maybe could actually help universities in the, in the span that, or in the sense that right now, especially because the NCAA put the, put the new requirement that you, schools cannot uh, have students sign waivers. So, essentially, that puts all the liability if players get sick, if they get seriously sick, on the schools. So, he was making the point that a, a player union could actually help in the long run because now all of a sudden, Essentially, the players are taking on some of the risks, similar to baseball, similar to NBA, NFL. We all see players are assuming some sort of risk here. Do you think in the long run, 
Uh, and again, like you just said earlier, I guess it's too late for this season, but in the long run, would union actually not just benefit the players, because I think that's obvious, but benefit these universities as working with a partnership instead of essentially, you know, what they have been with, with just um, not a dictatorship, but essentially, you know, free labor. Yeah, I mean, this is this is part of where we're at. Um, I think the likeness discussion was a good step. I thought college football was moving in the right direction on those things with player likeness and potential compensation down the line. I mean, the transfer rules have been relaxed greatly, which all benefit the student athlete. And I mean, people are going to go straight to the NCAA and blame them. And But it's not the NCAA. It's the school presidents. It's the conference commissioners. And yes, the NCAA governs all over the top of that, but until there's a college football player or a college football commissioner to sort all this out, you're going to run into the same problems. I mean, look at the difference. I mean, a couple people were tweeting about this and getting upset, but I mean, the NFL by all standards so far has done okay, right? Yeah. They let players opt out. They're having training camp. They may be able to play. I think the NFL is going to end up pushing through it and play. I would agree. I mean, we'll see if they can finish. I mean, that, that's a question. We don't even know if they can finish. Right? I mean, obviously, the NFL has a lot of – they have a lot more advantages than college football. College football, obviously, is going to be the hardest of any sport to, to, to resume just because, I mean, you're working with free labor. They, the, these schools, ironically enough – is it fair to say this statement, Bill? Is it fair to say that, ironically, because schools have pushed amateur status now for essentially centuries since you know, college sports have been around, they, they've pride themselves on amateurs playing the sport. They're just students that happen to play sports that – happen to generate millions of dollars of revenue for these schools year in and year out, but they were just students. They were true like everyone else. Is that sentiment finally coming back to bite them in a sense that if they just recognize students as maybe semi-professionals, essentially let students benefit off NLI, um, that maybe they can actually pull off um, having a season, whether it's a bubble, whether it's just treating football players differently than regular students, as we all know they are. Um, is it basically fair to say that essentially because this amateur status that schools have relied upon for centuries, is finally coming back to bite them. Yeah, I mean, that's that's all true things. I mean, it's just one of those environments where they're not just students. We all know that. And they're not treated just like students either, though. I mean, that's the other part. You know, right. They, they get full scholarships. They get athletic training all those kind of things. And I think it's that. But they deserve more than what they're getting is, is the general consensus that we all should be able to reach now that, yeah, they should probably be compensated in some way. Um, I don't know if 50% of the revenue is ever going to happen just because, remember, football funds a lot of those other athletic programs. So, yeah, it's devastating that, that they're probably not going to play college football this year. It's devastating from the standpoint that uh, it could impact colleges for years to come. could and lead to some football programs going under. I don't know if we'll have 130 football programs next year. We'll have to see. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, a very unintended consequence for sure. Talking Bill Bender, Sporting News National College Football Reporter. So, Bill, uh, I guess, like, you, you, let's just go back to what you said right there, because you're obviously right. The, the Pac-12, when they put out their list of demands, I thought for the most part a lot of them made sense. You know, a lot of COVID requirements, opt-out requirements. Um, but the one that took all the headlines, of course, the one that distracted away from basically everything else was that 50% revenue split. So I'm curious, is that – is that what's holding up these university presidents? Because name, image, and likeness, whether university presidents want it happening or not, it's coming down the pike. I, I believe Florida is the state next year where July 2021 into law. And so you got to think every other school is not going to have Florida benefit while they can't. 
So we got to think by at the latest July of next year, this time next year, we will have some sort of, of rule in place allowing name, image, likeness, and players to benefit from that in all sports. So w what is the I, – I guess I'll, I'll throw it to this way first. Do you think that the, the money aspect is a bigger concern for these universities' presence and a bigger driving force to cancel the season than actually safety concerns about coronavirus? I mean, yeah, yes and no. I mean, that, that, I think that's a the, – they are most concerned about the coronavirus because, like I said, from the liability standpoint there, um, you know, all it takes is one app, student athlete being put on a ventilator or dying, and you never know. And I right. think that is a big part of it. Now, like I said, underneath that, yes, the money, the player unionization, the impact on the university from a financial standpoint, all of those things are at work. But I still think, you know, at the end of the day, college football was at the mercy of a once-in-a-hundred-year pandemic, and the testing protocols were never really unified. That was another problem along the way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean – you got to face another reality here that's that's really ugly. Is this still might be around next year? Uh, and unless there's a vaccine, and I hate to put it that bluntly, unless there's a vaccine that works, this COVID may be around next year. You just don't know. I mean, if you would ask me this question in March, I would have said, "Yeah, it's so far away. We don't have to worry about it." But I mean, it's been going on this long. It, it is what it is. Right. So I guess in my aspect is I do, I do, I guess, believe the sentiment that I think the money is the bigger aspect and players rights and unifying it is almost a bigger concern. Cause I'll put it this way, at least I'll see if you agree. What I'll ask you this, what changed between basically middle of July, right? When there was some real, real serious concerns, there's outbreaks at schools happening. The, the South especially was really running rampant with coronavirus. I think middle of July was probably the, the lowest point before this to where we had optimism that couch football could start. But we got past it. It slowed down. You see even schools like, you know, Northwestern have false positives and come back. Ohio State, which was hit hard, is, is practicing. But now all of a sudden it feels like, you know, out of nowhere, they're just like, you know, we're, we're done. This is, this is over. Is it like, so I guess my question is, like, nothing happened COVID-wise to kind of spur this change. Do you, do you, would you agree with that, I guess? I mean, nothing happened in terms of the numbers didn't go down enough. I mean, there was mm, still – okay. I mean, that's, that's kind of, yeah, it didn't go down. I mean, we're still dealing with, I mean, not quarantine levels, but, yeah, the cases, it's not like COVID numbers have gone dramatically down, at least here in Ohio. I mean, I know in Ohio, PA, Michigan, the numbers are still what they are. I guess that's what, but to your point, yeah, I mean, nothing really changed from last week to this week or a month ago. I just think that the plan it was never I don't think the plan was ever to try to play college football if they were dragging their feet that much. I mean, you know, I think they kept, kept kicking the can, so to speak. You've seen that article written a few times, and by the time it came to make a decision, I mean, there are some people that think making a decision now is too early, but this is the same. We kind of knew middle of August some decisions, some tough decisions were going to be made, so I guess I disagree with that sentiment, sentiment a little bit because, okay. I mean, this is kind of where we're at got to have a decision one way or the other right so i'll ask you this then big 10 acc and SEC specifically put out their schedules last week ohio state you know a team right in your backyard started practicing and the big 10 started practicing like you said they have games in less than a month why start practice why put the schedules out if they were essentially this fatalistic if you if you listen to what athletic directors are saying now in different you know reporters in different stories you're basically saying it's inevitable the season's gonna be canceled if they if they feel it was so inevitable why release the schedule? 
why start practice? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, and that, that's – I figured the schedules were going to come out just so we had something to, to plan around. And, again, that late September start seemed like the best way to do it. But, again, they weren't on the same page. Five, five conferences, five different pages. Five conferences still yeah. not on the same page right that's, now. Yeah. And that's another big issue with the sport. And, and again, the commissioner could have solved that. Yet when you have five different messages not working together, this is the end result. So it's not surprising to me in a lot of ways. I guess I'm mad and upset like everybody else, but surprised isn't an emotion I'm feeling. Yeah, that's that's fair. I guess maybe to me, like I said, I saw those scheduled releases. I saw practice starting it as almost like a, a glimmer of hope that they're going to start and we'll see what can happen. But I guess maybe, at least for, maybe that is personally why I feel like it's more surprised and more shocked um, maybe than others, especially it sounds like yourself, just because they did give you all these sort of different – reasons to look optimistically that a season could start and we'll see what happens but at least it will start um we are talking with bill bender here of sporting News. so bill i ask two more questions for you how much if any do you think were the players consulted whether to play or not to play you know, obviously not much um you know between the pac-12 i guess they were roped in a little bit but in the big 10 is i think kevin warren's very progressive and he's going mm-hmm. to continue to involve players but i mean their message is all over the place too. I mean, I understand the opt-outs totally, um, but when you form a union, you have to be organized, and it sounds like they're in the fledgling process of that happening. But when Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields step out and say that, that's a good thing for the future, but that's going to require a lot more organization before they even get close to some of those long-term goals that they're seeking. I'll finish up with this, Bill, because you just said on Kevin Warren, you brought it up as a progressive commissioner taking over for the Big Ten. He, it's, you know, it sounds like he is a big proponent of spring football. I'm curious because I've gone back and forth, and now I think I've settled on the opinion that I don't really see spring football as a feasible option. Do you, is a spring football season even worth it in your mind? No. Uh, I think you just gear up for next year. I mean, I think you could do a six or seven game thing that just doesn't feel the same. Mm -hmm. And, Guys, the NFL is not going to wait. They'll, they'll take the players that are going to go to the NFL and get ready for the NFL. We'll, we'll go do that. So I think it'll just feel watered down in a lot of ways and just not the same. And if you're going to cancel now, I think the best option is to do everything and lock it down so that you can actually have a full season next year and uh, not face kind of what college basketball is going to be facing here in a couple months as well. Yeah, I mean, oh, man, this College sports, like I said, if anything, this pandemic has highlighted ju- just the inefficiency at, at best, and to put it really nicely, the inefficiency that it basically runs through the entire uh, organization when you have almost essentially 130 schools working on their own. Like I said, I mean, you, you, the five major conferences can't even agree on anything. Big Ten's announcing conference-only schedules, and everyone else is shocked. Now we have you know the Big Ten trying to cancel their season, and everyone else it sounds like they're – Try, I guess I'll ask you to spill. I apologize. One last question. I meant to ask you this, and it just popped in my head. From all these reports, what are we, what are we waiting on now? It sounds like the Big Ten is gearing up to cancel the season. I, I'm just seeing now on Twitter that apparently Dan Patrick, according to his sources, the Big Ten voted 12-2 to 2 to postpone the season, but Nebraska and Iowa are the only two that voted to play. So it sounds like the season for the Big Ten is going to be canceled. What are we waiting on? What's the wait? Well, I mean, you got to make it official. And, and, you know, I mean, everybody jumps the gun on reporting anyway. So, I mean, yeah, there's sources leaking all over the place. But until it's, it's when it's official, it's official. And I would anticipate Big Ten and Pac-12 go first. And then the next three 
we'll hold out and try to get something going, but it, the dominoes are going to fall at, at some point. I don't know if you can legitimize the college football season with two weeks playing. Um, and that's where we're at. And it's an unfortunate scenario, but this is what happens when people don't work together. So again, I mean, yeah, hurt and all those kind of things. But if you're asking me if I'm surprised, no, I'm really not just because, I mean, when this this started with the scheduling process when they weren't working together there or the COVID guidelines when they weren't working together there, why would they work together in terms of trying to save the season? And that's kind of where we're at. Just amazing. Five months, Billy. You think football is the one sport yeah. that had the biggest benefit of time. Five months right. couldn't figure it out, and now here we are. I'll, I'll ask you this, Bill. Do you feel any better? Because I'll be honest, I don't. <laughs> No, that uh, didn't help. Now i got to jump into an editorial meeting here where I'm not going to feel any better talking about it there. Oh. But, uh, it's, it, but thanks for having me on. I mean, I know it, it is what it is, and, and like I said, and we'll, we'll get through it, and hopefully you and I can get together down the line and talk about some real football. Yes, fingers crossed. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Bill, we appreciate you coming on. I'm sorry we, we couldn't make each other cheer uh, or, or happier mm-hmm. at least, but hopefully, like I said, fingers crossed, sooner rather than later we'll be talking some football. Really do appreciate you coming on, and uh, – yeah, just right. sad day for everyone. All right, thank you. Thanks, thank you Bill. Too. The great Bill Bender, Sporting News, college football reporter. Lays it out. I mean, you, you, he, he said it. It's, he wasn't surprised. More, you know, I, I was definitely more surprised than him uh, that the season is basically at the point where it is now of not happening. Um, but, I mean, he basically hinted that. Like, listen, the writing's on the wall. No one could get it. No one could agree. The challenges were massive, and essentially no one tried to face him head on. And now here we are with a college football-less fall coming up. Great. 2020 continues to be the best. (sighs) All right. So we'll transition from college football to talk about some golf. Let's all talk optimistically here. Having some sort of like, I got to cheer myself up. I got to cheer myself. This has been a very depressing first hour, cannot lie. Golf, a great, great, great PGA championship. It just happened and concluded last night with Colin Morikawa winning his first major tournament. Does Tiger Woods, or I'm sorry, does golf need Tiger Woods to be relevant? Well, to get your thoughts on the Morning Boys, Ryan Key return right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's time to wake up with the Morning Boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. I'm sorry. I, I had to do it. I got to hear it. If we go an entire fall without hearing the greatest theme song, the SEC on CBS music, I don't know if I can make it to 2020. I'll be honest. It's already close. I, I, am, I promise you I'm getting there. I am ready to pull the plug. Oh, drink it in if you're a college football fan. This is this is cathartic, at least for me. I hope it is for you. To at least hear it. Hear it once in 2020. Oh, man. We brought Bill Bender on to, to give us some answers. We both try to cheer each other up. Those answers, let's say, did not bring joy to either of us as we sit and face the reality that college football in the fall is essentially over. It is over. It is over. It is done. It is dead. In the words of Michael Scott, it's over. We are screwed. And that is the perfect way I feel like you can describe this college football season being dead. But I will say this. I've been talking to uh, 
I'll, I'll say a source. I do have one industry college football source, and he's been talking to a few of his own sources. And I guess the reception to a spring season by a lot of different people of power in different conferences is actually the reception is actually better than I would expect personally. Uh, I asked Bill Bender. He thought a spring season wasn't even worth it. I would agree. I think at this point, pack it up. Let's get to 2021 in the fall. Don't even try a spring season. It'd be five, six games at the most. It's with um, who knows how many players would opt out. But one of the, one person I know, again, a, a very respected industry source, is saying that, you know, again, more and more conferences are receptive now that the fall is essentially dead. More receptive, and they at least have talked to even some, some people of power, talked to teams that players are more open to play in the spring. So we'll, we'll see what happens if a spring season um, is possible, it's feasible. We'll see what rosters look like, if there's even enough players that want to play. Because think about this, not only you know, would you have probably way more players opt out if there's a spring season to get ready for the NFL draft. Think about this. You would also have players opting out because now, if you're a prominent player, let's say that you're not draft eligible. Let's say you're a sophomore. Um, you know, you had a great freshman year, a great sophomore year, and you're really coming to your own. This is, you know, this is going to be the year that really catapults you to maybe a first-round draft pick. Why would you play two seasons, essentially just months apart? You know, you play a fall season, let's say maybe March to April or a March to May, a few-month break, and then play again in the fall and September. So you have players opt out just because they rather just get ready and gear up for the fall. Not want to play five, six, seven games, just get rid their body ready to gear up for a fall 2021 season and try to, you know, put their best foot forward there, try to be as healthy and in their best shape for that. So we'll see. I don't believe a spring season is feasible. We get your thoughts. Do you think a spring season is possible? Is it necessary uh, for college football? And what, what are your reaction? What is your reaction now that you hear the college football season essentially dead. I am uh, one of depression. I am one of shock. Um, I do feel personally blindsided, but I'd love to get your thoughts. Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter, or if you want to me, Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. I want to ask you this question. Actually, you know what? I want to say, I'll save Tiger Woods for the end. I don't have a lot of time here. I'll save Tiger Woods and does golf need Tiger Woods for 1040. I will say this, keeping on the couch football theme. There is one aspect that has driven me insane up a wall on social media that has happened not just this week, but in weeks past leading up to this point. And that is people in the media, well, we won't call them reporters because they're not reporters. They're more analysts. They are more in the roles of watching the games and reacting to them. Not, not talk show hosts, but, you know, they're more inside. You know, the TV analysts you see. For examples, Joe Klatt, a great, 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 great college football liners for Fox. Kyle Brandt, great on the NFL Network, on the Good Morning Football Show. Kyle Brandt, Joe Klatt, and plenty of others have media shamed, have Twitter shamed, and essentially tried to blame sports reporters doing their jobs, which are, if you're a reporter, you report the facts. That is your goal. There's no opinion, no conjecture. What you do is you report the facts. And if you're a college football reporter, really, I'll love this in all sports. If you are a sports reporter, you would not be doing your job. You're doing your audience a disservice. If you are looking at the coronavirus in a realistic perspective and writing and talking to people about the virus's impact on playing the sport. 
And this weekend, of course, it's happened a lot. But this I don't know why this one really set me off. But Joe Cloud over the weekend tweeted that basically he's excited to see that players are finally pushing back. The media has been pushing negativity. The media has been really trying to take down the season. And now he's excited to see players put back. I'll read you the, the exact tweet right here because it, it, it is so disingenuous. It is so absurd to have this line of thinking. And it's partly the reason why we are where we are. It is part of the reason why we are in this country where we cannot get a handle on the virus. We still are basically spinning our wheels and are still way behind the rest of the world. This is Joe Klatt's suit from the other day. Many in the college football media have worked hard to push panic and fear, seeing many prominent players push back tonight. Good for them. Joel, I understand you want to have a college football season. I want to have a college football season. Bill Bender wants to have a college football season. College football reporters want to have a college football season. Reporting the facts, reporting the challenges that college football faces in the wake of a pandemic is doing your job. It's not rooting for your job to fail. It's living in reality. It's pointing out the facts. Could you imagine from March to now, if all sports reporters did was put on rose-colored glasses, ignore the virus, and talk about how you know excited they are for their sports to return. Once they do return, there's going to be no bumps. Imagine baseball reporters are talking about how, oh man, we're going to the, the teams are going to be fine. Players are going to be fine. We're going to get the season off and hitch. No big deal. And you watch the Marlins and the Cardinals have outbreaks. You would lose your mind. Games postponed. The season was almost shut down three days into the year. Could you imagine if you were if you kept reading articles? reading tweets, and it was all positivity. It was all basically ignoring the virus, not taking it seriously, and instead just propping up the sport. We'll be fine. The NFL, no problem. Forget that football is the ultimate super spreader sport. Forget that snot, spit, sweat, heavy breathing, close quarters. Forget that that's basically the entirety of a football game. And if one player is asymptomatic on the field, the odds of everyone else getting it are very high. Forget that. Forget college football. No bubble. Less testing resources and having kids on campus. Ah, screw it. It'll be fine. Could you imagine where we are? I feel shocked. I, again, we've had shows talking about the challenges college football faces. And I feel a little bit blindsided, to be honest, about the timing of this all. Bill Bender, someone who lives in reality, Someone who's doing his job as a reporter isn't shocked because he saw this coming. He kept asking the question, how are we going to play college football with a pandemic going on? So he's not blown away. He's not mind blown. He's not shocked. But if we're feeling, if I'm personally feeling shocked right now that the season is basically dead in this fall, while people and while sports reporters have done their job in reporting the facts about the virus and the challenges that these sports face in returning, imagine we didn't hear about that. Imagine there was nothing to bring us down to reality. Imagine there was no reporting that really tried to give us an honest truth, the cold, hard truth that we need to hear. And it said it was just, you know, rainbows and lollipops. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. Let's start breaking down the rosters. Let's start breaking down these non-conference games that are definitely going to happen. Imagine how heartbroken, how frustrated we would be. Because guess what everyone else would be saying? Guess what everybody else, me, you, any other viewer, and I'm sure guys like Joe Klatt, I'm sure guys like Kyle Brandt would be saying 
to those people who quote or believe that media by doing their job is, is rooting for the virus and is rooting for sports to fail. You know what they'd be saying right now? If for the last five months, all reporters were talking about was the positives of sports returning? Or the likelihood that sports will return without any issues? They'd be freaking out. Reporters aren't doing their job. We feel heartbroken because guess what? The media lied to us. The fake news media. We would feel led astray. Because for five months we didn't hear the truth. So props to those reporters. And there's a lot of them, thankfully. That reported on the facts. That laid out the realistic challenges. That schools, that teams, that sports face. In trying to play amidst, uh, amidst, excuse me, a pandemic. So shame on guys like Joel Klatt. Shame on guys like Kyle Brandt, Danny Cannell, and a bunch of others throughout these last few months that are trying to shame reporters that are doing their job and try to frame them as rooting for the virus. Rooting for their own sport to fail. The sport that they cover for a living to fail because they weren't all happy-go-lucky. They weren't all pandering to all of us who want to see sports back. They lived in reality. And I can only imagine the, you know, what the reaction would be if no one or if everyone had the same mindset as Joe Klatt. Oh, you say anything negative, you're rooting for the virus. Do you feel happy? Do you feel happy that college football is dead? Should I ask Bill Bender that? Is he happy that the sport he covers for a living is dead for this fall? Are you happy that there's layoffs all throughout the sports world? It's insanity. It is insanity. It is so frustrating. And again, this has happened time and time again on social media. I understand Twitter is what it is. There's a lot, you know, a lot of attention, look at me sort of tweets on Twitter. That's what really, it's really a pissing contest to a certain extent. How can I say something that's going to get the most reaction? People are going to look at me. I'm going to get the attention that I want. I'm going to stand out amongst the millions of users. So I just want to get that off my chest. Very frustrating that, you know, again, people who are doing their job are getting framed in a bad way. Framed as rooting for the virus instead of just living in reality. So thank you for letting me vent here a little bit. (sighs) Unbelievable. This is, I mean, the, the 2020 is just, what up is, what's up is down, what's down is up. Again, I, I said this before, we can't agree on anything. And even now, reporters doing their job, people can't agree upon whether they're actually doing their job or rooting for their own industry to fail. Insanity. It, it, it's insanity. That's 2020. And basically, it is the opposite. If you're a Seinfeld fan, you know, George Costanza, the, ep- the opposite episode, does everything opposite. This is 2020. Everything that seems right is wrong. Everything that doesn't make any sense now all of a sudden is is the prevailing thought. But, oh, man. Well, speaking of 2020 and the wackiness that has been this year, let's keep it going. Let's talk about the weirdness, the craziness that's happened. 2020 Apocalypse Final Four. The number one seed, Joe Pidel. The number five seed, Lauren Clark. Only one advances to the championship round and take on the three seed, Sarah Cali. We'll see who goes to the finals Next, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it's time to wake up with the morning boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. It is time. We've had a great, great 2020 Orpacos postseason so far. Overtime, buzzer beaters, walk-off wins. And we have seen so far one person punch their ticket. That is the three-seed Sarah Chonkali. She is marching on to the finals. Try to claim the 2020 Orpacos champion. We'll see who will face her in the championships. Number one versus number five. We'll introduce the, the first, the top seed. The number one man himself. By the way, the only person we've ever delayed 2020 or Apocalypse for. We've had the show since it started, since the first episode. We've had it every Monday and every Thursday that there's been a show. As you heard last week, there was no 2020 Apocalypse. This man moves mountains and he also moves a show. He is the number one seed. The great Joe Pidel, the moot court, about to be champion, maybe 2020 or Apocalypse champion. Joe, what is up? What's up, everyone? Thank you for pushing it back. <laughs> you have a lot of pull. You have a lot of pull. You're the only man, like I said. Congrats. How does I it feel? It comes with the one seed, you know? That It comes with the one seed now. We got to ask. We did push it back because of a big moot court. Um, a, lot, a lot of energy focused towards that. How do, do we have the finals yet? Where are we in terms of, you know, being number one in the country? In debates. Nah, not, not number one. Top ten. We, we okay. got knocked out, but it was top ten, so that's good enough. <laughs> Did you beat those jerks at Northwestern? No, sadly, oh, they all took top three. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Joe, who, it was like, you you listed some of the competitors on talking. It was Northwestern was in there. Was it Harvard? Yeah, Harvard, UPenn, all of them. But it's okay. The number one competition today is Warren. The no- <laughs> Look at that. Forget Northwestern, Harvard, Law, forget all of them. The biggest competition this man will face in the last few weeks is the five seed. We haven't had many Cinderella's, but we will call her Cinderella as the five seed. The only real upset we've had so far, it is Lauren Clark. We'll see if she can continue Cinderella and see if the shoe fits one more time. Lauren, what's up? Hi. What a great, you know, I, I feel I, I'm blessed. I'm ahead of Harvard in competition. Wow. Yeah, how's your ego? Look at that. You are a bigger <laughs> threat than yeah, Harvard wow. Law, than UPenn Law, the Northwestern Law. Smart girl. Yeah, head is pretty big now. Why? <laughs> yeah, mine's getting crushed. Yours is getting bigger. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, maybe this is a great strategy by Joe. Hype up Lauren, get overconfident, and then just yeah, and then pull the rug totally out from under her. This yeah. is, we'll see which strategy pays off. So, as you guys have played, <laughs> just like college football has done to all us fans, pull the rug out from under us, Joey's trying to do the same with Lauren. That's, <laughs> that is painful. It hurts because it's true. It's too soon for this guy. He's going to collapse. There, yeah, it is too soon for sure. Oh, man. All right, so as we know, both of you are on the phone. You play before. We will play at five. Joe, since he's the top seed, will answer first. Um, sorry, number one, then Lauren will go number two, and we will alternate number five. We have overtime. I don't believe either of you have gotten overtime yet. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. I did. I think I oh, did. Oh, you're right. I apologize. Joe has. So Joe, Joe knows overtime. We'll see if Lauren gets there. Best score to five wins. We will go to overtime and see who will advance to the 2020 or Apocalypse Finals. Are you both ready to go? 
Ready as we can be. All right, Joe, we will start with you. A Wisconsin man crashed his car into a motorcyclist and ended up killing the rider on purpose because he was white. 2020 or Apocalypse? 2020. Wow. All right. 2020 it is. He's going just like that. No explanation, no thought process. 2020. Lauren. Got to make Lauren think, you know? Wow. Look at the strategy. is coming <laughs> yeah, wow. on in. Um, I'm going to go Apocalypse because I haven't heard of this, but who knows? All right. We all have differing answers. So far, Joe Pidel. The one seed is correct. He is correct. <laughs> this is a, unfortunately, a real story. A, uh, a, a man who he is of Hispanic heritage was very upset because I guess he has had a lot of racist um, gestures, remarks made his way. And in order to get revenge, he saw a white motorcyclist and just decided I'm just going to hit him on purpose and ended up killing him and didn't hide the fact either. He admitted it to the cops. So sad reality. But unfortunately, because it's 2020, it is reality. So Sounded Joe Pidel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah, it's a wacky year. Pidel, the one seed, up one to nothing. Lauren, you will go first for number two. Are you ready? Yeah. A trucking company has developed a way to put already built houses on wheels so homeowners who want to travel but are afraid to stay in hotels for fear fears of COVID nineteen can bring their house with them on vacation and stay inside their own house wherever that they end up going on vacation. Is this a real partnership? Is this a real venture? Twenty twenty? Or is this just apocalypse? Um, hmm. I want to say 2020, but then are there guidelines on the size of the house? That's what makes me wonder. Um, I'll go 2020. All Not right. But you are okay. saying it's real. <laughs> a trucking company has built and developed a system. Take houses out of the ground, put them on trucks, wherever they want to go on vacation. You're going there to stay. Uh, no, I'm going apocalypse. What? You're changing? Just like that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Is that your all right? So is apocalypse okay, your going apocalypse. final answer? Yeah. Okay, apocalypse is final answer. Joe, you heard Lauren flip flop. <laughs> Which side of the fence are you on? I'm. I'm gonna. You see, I was with her. There has to be like a size limit or something like that. But I'm gonna go with apocalypse as well. That's where I was leaning. So we'll go with it. Trust in the gut, confidence, conviction. Both of you are correct. Lauren flip-flopping, Joe a conviction. It is fake, made up. There is no way that a trucking company is digging these houses out, putting them on truck beds, and driving them wherever people want to go on vacation. I mean, it could well, be a... You can build a house like that. You can have pieces of a house truck to build it, but... Right. Oh, you're 100% right about that. But at least that's why We're I didn't want to word it like that because it is a real thing, but... There's no business opportunity yet. I see. I hope people are listening. Yeah, yeah. Are taking these notes because a lot of these things they make up. Not to brag, I feel it could be invented. I mean, I don't know how you would basically dig up a house from the foundation and put it back, but it sounds, you know, it sounds legit. I guess it sounds real. If law school doesn't work, I gotta think. Yeah, Joe's ahead of the ball. Yeah, he's got options. He has (laughs) options. So far, Joe, you're up two to one after two questions. You will go first for number three. A squirrel in Colorado has tested positive, not for the coronavirus, but for the bubonic plague. 2020 apocalypse. (laughs) This sounds like, this is not my answer yet, but this sounds so 2020 at this point. Uh, Squirrel has the the bubonic plague. Um, A squirrel in Colorado tested positive for the bubonic plague. 
the Great Plague back in the Middle Ages that wiped out a ton of the you know, living citizens mm, there. This is tough because it feels like, okay, I'm hoping that's just out of our current times, but doesn't it just it just sounds so possible. <laughs> uh, you know what? We're going to go for it. 2020. <laughs> All right. Bubonic Plague in Joe's mind is back. The coronavirus here, screw. Why not bring the bubonic plague back? Bring it back from, bring it back from the dead. And a squirrel in Colorado has a positive for it. Joe saying this is a real story, 2020. This could be a blonde moment. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, where, where are you thinking here? 2020. I'm pretty. This is yeah, 2020. Are you saying with confidence? Are you going to change confidence. your answer? Confidence. So you confidence. know this is a real story. Yeah. You would be correct. This is a real story. Oof. The bubonic plague is back. So the coronavirus wasn't enough. All this, all this crap that's gone on in 2020 isn't enough. Let's bring back a virus and a plague that's been, I thought, you know, dead for centuries. And we're talking the Middle Ages here uh, is when you learn about the bubonic plague. But it is back, at least in Colorado. And this is a real 2020 story. Joe, you are three for three so far. Hornet. Three for three. They're trying to make quarantine more interesting, you know. That, that's true. And Lauren, you're right. Killer hornets. These animals, man. The murder know, hornets, bubonic plate and, and squirrels. It's <laughs> if we all make it out alive, honestly, that we might have to have like a trophy or a party or something because this sounds like the world <laughs> is doing everything possible to kill us. Well, it'll be 1999 all over. <laughs> <laughs> Why 2K? But well, yeah, exactly. Why 20? I mean, yeah, something, something. That's a good. <laughs> oh boy, this is. We laugh because it's it's sad. It is it is scary. That's for sure. But with that said, Joe is three for three. He's a three-two lead over Lauren. Lauren, you'll go first for number four. Big one here. Now, if Lauren gets this wrong, Joe gets it right. Joe is in the finals. So just so we're on the same page here, a big potential for close right here for Joe Pidel. Lauren, no pressure. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. But here we go. Monkeys. <laughs> monkeys have taken over a Thailand city, frightening residents so much that citizens have avoided leaving their homes, and even the police have given up trying to control the monkeys. Is that 2020 or Apocalypse? 2020. No words. She sounds confident. I mean, should I ask <laughs> you, is that your final answer? Yes, final answer. Okay, final answer. She's going 2020. Joseph Pidel, with a possible mm. chance to win it here. What are your thoughts? I need you to say it again. I think I feel like I keep hearing it wrong. No worries. All good. I can repeat <laughs> as many times as you need. So monkeys have taken over a city in Thailand, frightening residents so much that citizens have avoided leaving their homes, and even the police have given up trying to control the monkeys. So essentially, have monkeys taken over a Thailand city? 2020 or Apocalypse? Hmm. I'm going to go 2020 as well. All right, so win or, win or lose, right or wrong, we will still have at least a question number five. You both are correct. Crazy enough, it is 2020 after all. Monkeys have actually taken over in Planet of the Apes style, have taken over a Thailand city. Could you imagine that? Imagine that. Like, forget, <laughs> forget quarantining because the virus is socially distant. You couldn't leave your house because the monkeys, and in the article, monkeys were actually attacking people, which is why they wouldn't even leave their homes. Could you imagine that? No. <laughs> We don't even have any money. We don't have one monkey. <laughs> Thank God, honestly. I mean, for real. Who, I mean, if they're talking, who knows? I mean, they unionize. Whew. We are we are all in trouble. We all may never be able to leave our homes ever again. 
pro-union, you know. <laughs> pro-union, except when it comes to monkeys, because we uh, they may honestly take over the world. And at least for one city in Thailand, these poor residents can't even, you know. They are getting run run down and, and taken over by uh, by primates. So Joe is four for four. Lawrence three to four. So Joe's a four-through lead. He will go first. A chance to Pressure. win it and go to the finals. You get it right, you're in. If you get it wrong and Lauren gets it right, we have a tie and we'll go to overtime. So Joe okay. will go first. Here's number five. Drake, the, the, uh, the singer, the rapper, the pop star Drake, has announced that he is partner partnering with the CDC to put out a song that educates the youth on why the coronavirus should be taken seriously. 2020 or Apocalypse? Uh, sounds like a Drake thing, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Drake's partnering with the CDC? Yes, to essentially create a song that educates the youth on why coronavirus should be taken seriously. Wearing masks, washing hands, socially distant, and he'll somehow, you know, put some beats, put some lines in there, and make it appealing (laughs) for the kids, you know? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, I'm going to say Apocalypse. All right, Joe is going Apocalypse. This is fake. Lauren, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, I feel I want to say 2020 because I feel like in the age of TikTok, the age of these youths, you know, there. You know, I think I think I'm going 2020. You're going. This is real. A real story. Joe's going the apocalypse. Joe's right. Unfortunately, Lauren, for you, the game is over. If Joe is wrong, we will have overtime. A fortune for Lauren Clark. Joe Padel is right. The number one seed advances. <laughs> this is a fake, made-up, not-real story. Drake is not partnering with the CDC. There is no uh, coronavirus song that's coming out to educate these kids these days. You know, the, no those hotline kids. bling. No hotline. <laughs> Featuring, uh, who is it, Robert Redford? Is he the, uh, the CDC like uh, president or something like that? I think so. I think that's his name. Yeah, that or that's the name of an actor. Hold on. Let me see. Robert Redford is definitely the actor. <laughs> my own Oh, yeah, he is. Who is the CD? I was imagining, like, Drake on Sesame Street or something. I was like, there's no way. (laughs) Who is it then? Robert? Robert Redfield. Ah, damn it. Robert Ah, Redfield. Okay, we were close. No, there's no Robert Redfield cameo in uh, in Drake's new uh, new single, that's for sure. So, (laughs) Joe Pidel. Congratulations, sir. The number one seed advances. You will take on the number three seed, Sarachon Cali. Winner, possible champion of 2020 Apocalypse. What is going through your mind? You focused on Lauren, and you got the job done. How's it feel? You know, I just turned my attention away from those IVs, you know, and focused on this big moment. Those IVs have nothing on the focus and attention that it takes to, to compete and win in 2020 Apocalypse. Lauren, I have good news for you. It's not all over. Third place still gets a prize. You'll take on the two-seat yeah, two Cody Enos if you so want to. Is that oh, something yeah. that you're interested? Okay. So Anything she- for the money. And this- <laughs> yeah, that that sounds on brand. She is a she is a gold digger. Unfortunately for you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> unfortunately for That's for so you, lucky. the sports is not really exactly the uh, the field where all that money is going to be ringing in. So I apologize. <laughs> and Beth, I'll get out now. Lauren, I I also hate to say you had a fan. Beth writes on fit, uh, on Facebook. Go Lauren. Well, she's probably disappointed. Oh. We're disappointed. Probably tuned out already. Probably, probably. <laughs> Joe? Going downhill fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is all going downhill for you, Lauren. But hey, you'll still have a chance at third place. 
So you're still, still alive in the money. Joey, congratulate you. We'll see you in the finals for a chance Thank to take you, on the 2020 sir. Apocalypse Crown. Congratulations. Thank you, Congrats, guys. Congrats, Joe. That's why you're in law school, and I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> wow, look at look at that sportsmanship here. That's what you love to see. Great sports. They battled it out and now shaking hands after and congratulations. Look at that. That's what you love to see. That is sportsmanship at its finest right there. Coming for the finals though. Don't get it twisted. Sarah, I hope you're listening. I hope you're reading the news. Cause Joe Pidel is coming for you. He is coming. <laughs> And we, uh, we will definitely look forward to that. The number one seed versus the number three seed in the finals of 2020 Apocalypse. Congratulations, Joe. Lauren, we'll see you for the third place game, and we appreciate you playing. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thank man. you, guys. The great Joe Pidel, the great Lauren Clark. Joe Pidel. Fifth question gets it right, and he is in the finals. We congratulate Joe. Be a ton of fun to see the number one versus the number five seed. I believe how we're going to do it. got to make sure, obviously, as you hear, Joe, very busy schedule. Man who's juggling law school, juggling, fighting off Northwestern, beating Harvard, taking it to UPenn. So we got to juggle that busy schedule. Hopefully next Thursday, I'm off on this upcoming Thursday. Big, uh, it's my dad's birthday, so I'll give him a shout out if he's listening. Happy birthday, Dad. Going on a little uh, Montauk vacation to uh, celebrate his day of birth. So there will be no show on Thursday. So the goal is have a third-place match on Monday. And the finals, the last time, hopefully... 20, 20 or Apocalypse will ever be played. Because that means that we're coming out of it. This year has gotten less weird. But, uh, and hopefully the last game will be next Thursday between Joe and Sarah. We'll make sure those schedules are updated and obviously let you know. When we come back, um, congratulations to Joe Pidel one last time. When we come back, I want to get into this earlier, but I didn't have time. Does golf need Tiger Woods to be relevant? Does golf still need Tiger to grow the game? We'll discuss that and get your thoughts uh, for the PG Championship of the Morning Boys. Ryan can return right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. It, it's time to wake up with the Morning Boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. And we welcome you back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wrapping up here on a Monday morning, a very depressing, somewhat surprising in my mind, Monday morning as if you missed the news, uh, first of all, I'm jealous that up to this point you've been unaware and at least had some hope because um, I'll be honest, since, Sunday, uh, since Saturday morning, all my hope has been basically vanished, taken away. Uh, but college football is on the precipice of getting canceled. Big Ten. Pac-12 are, are both waiting for something. I don't really know what they're waiting for, but at least in their mind, um, college football is, is about to get canceled for this upcoming season. A real shame. Um, very sad for sure, but we will not, it seems, barring some sort of miracle. And I'm honestly not even sure what that miracle would be, if that miracle would be a coronavirus vaccine, if that miracle would be somehow players getting paid between now and tomorrow. I don't even know. But essentially, college football is all but dead. Took a lot of time. He had Bill Bender on to answer some questions. Um, he is not, not as surprised, but definitely um, confused about just the lack of leadership, the lack of preparedness, it seems like, from college football these last four or five months. Plenty of time to get everything kind of situated, have a plan. And in the end, five months of planning, five months of discussions led to absolutely nothing. And we will, it seems like, again, 
have no college football this fall. Uh, any thoughts on that? If you're in for the first time, what's your emotions? Again, mine was, was shock, was sadness, um, frustration, to say the least, that we want to have, um, to me, the greatest sport in America. I love college football in the NFL more than baseball, more than basketball. It is the number one sport. I've only had one sport to watch the rest of my life, college football by far. So it, uh, it's definitely, uh, yeah, it's been a tough show for sure. Um, not, not a lot of fun, that is, uh, that's for sure. We'll see if a spring season happens. I'm not for it. I don't even think it's worth trying. I'll just wait till next fall. Um, but we'll see the next step here from college leaders, from college administrators. But it seems at least the consensus is no college football this fall. So any thoughts again, Worldwide Sports Network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter. Get your thoughts. I do want to finish here with, with some golf. The first major of the year, PJ Championship out in uh, TPC Harding Park. So much fun to watch. A great, exciting finish. Kyle Morikawa gets it done with one of the best drives we'll ever see, especially considering the circumstances, as he wins uh, the PJ Championship. So I'm curious. Curious your thoughts. Because for me, I'm a casual golf fan. I would say... You know, I watch all the majors. I've definitely watched more golf um, these last few months than, you know, especially some of these smaller tournaments that I normally would. So I would say, you know, pretty average golf fan. Watch the majors, watch a lot of the, the playoff golf, but not someone who watches a lot of the smaller tournaments, especially some of these really small ones like that started in January and February, I'll be honest. I'm more of a summer golf fan and watch a lot more, more tournaments. So I'm curious because for me, I don't really need Tiger Woods to be relevant anymore to get into it. I was really into the PGA Championship. I was really into the finish yesterday, despite Tiger being nowhere near the leaderboard. He had a nice opening round on Thursday, but Friday, Saturday, Sunday was basically irrelevant. From the national coverage on ESPN and CBS, Tiger was either off the course or towards the end of the course. Essentially irrelevant. Now, they're, of course, still showing highlights, still working his name into the conversation. But essentially, for all intents and purposes, when it comes to winning, he was nowhere close. So I'm curious... From you, the viewer, if you're a casual golf fan like myself, watch the majors, you know some of the names, you'll watch on Sunday, nice lazy Sunday on the couch, you'll get into it. I'm curious your thoughts. Do you still need Tiger Woods to get into golf? Does Tiger need to be relevant in your mind to get into golf? Are you more likely to watch majors? Are you more likely to watch the PGA, the Masters? If Tiger is near the leaderboard on Sunday, he's in contention, or is that not a matter you want it? You want to watch because there's a lot of great young golfers. Because to me, as a casual golf fan, I don't need Tiger anymore. And I look at the landscape of golf; it's in a really good place right now. And it can, to me at least, continue to grow, continue to expand without the aid from Tiger Woods, without needing him to win another major or two, without needing him at the top of the leaderboard week in and week out. Even if he's not winning, but if he's close, I don't need that to watch anymore. Because just going back to yesterday, Tiger was nowhere close. Not relevant at all. But it was one of the best and most exciting finishes you will see in a major championship. At one point last, uh, last night, in the back nine, you had seven golfers tied for the lead. Seven. All with five, six, seven holes to play. They're talking and they're already going through the scenarios of what a seven-way playoff would look like. Could you imagine? That would have been awesome. Not to mention, then you have one of the best drives we'll ever see in history from Colin Morikawa. Drives it just short of the pin from the tee box. Gets an eagle, breaks away from the pack, and wins his first major at 23. So when I look at golf, when I look at the exciting finish that we just had in the major, when I look at the youth and the talent that's coming up and right now bursting onto the scene, the future is extremely bright. 
there is way more than enough talent to sustain and grow the game of golf. Because Tiger, outside of the Masters, has essentially been irrelevant since he's really come back these last two years. Phil is fun, but Phil is fun. Phil is the fun uncle on the tour. You know, he gives you a laugh anytime he talks. He's a cool guy to be around. But when it comes to actually watching golf, he stinks. Let's be honest. Let's call it for what it is. He's, he really doesn't have it anymore. But, you know, CBS brings on the broadcast. He's making sex jokes. He's sp- uh, sparring with Nick Faldo. It's fun. Phil Mickelson is the fun uncle. But when it comes to actually playing golf, he's not good. So he's not bringing in viewers. Again, Tiger not being anywhere near the leaderboard is not bringing in viewers. But, see, that doesn't matter. Because the actual talent on the course, I think, at least for me, but I love, that's why I'd love to get your thoughts, is enough to keep the game going. Is enough to grow the game. Because to me, when I look at the entire landscape of golf, golf is in the same exact position as the NBA, as the NFL, and as the NHL in this aspect. The legend, the GOAT, the guy we are revered, the, the icon, of that respective sport is aging out and a new wave of youth is coming in. The NBA. Now, LeBron's still playing at an elite level. The Lakers still have a greater chance as anyone to win, the, to win the title. But he's 35 years old. And he's been playing for a very long time. Those legs have a lot of miles on them. So while LeBron still, yes, is still high, still one of the best players in the league. I mean, he'll finish second in the MVP voting this year. Clock is ticking. Time is not on LeBron's side. But that's okay, because guess what? The NBA doesn't need another Michael Jordan or LeBron James, because they have so much talent coming through the pipeline. Devin Booker showing off. Luka Doncic is emerging like the next great star of this game. You have Kawhi Leonard still incredibly talented. You have Kevin Durant. You have the point is you have a lot of young, talented players coming up and really emerging on their own. Jason Tatum has been great. Joel Embiid is a rock there in Philly. There's enough talent to come up so that once LeBron leaves, you don't need another star player, another icon, another polarizing figure to either love or hate because there's enough talent to go around to make the game exciting. The NFL, same thing. Tom Brady's 43 years old. Two years, I would say, at best he has left to have a window to at least compete for a Super Bowl. If he wants to play after that, fine, but he won't be anywhere near Super Bowl contention, and he'll be like, to me, Tiger Woods is right now. That's okay. The NFL doesn't need to hold on to Tom Brady because they have a lot of young, blossoming quarterback talent. Patrick Holmes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, just to name a few. Russell Wilson's still, still in, the, in the peak of his career. So a lot of young quarterback talent that's ready to take over, ready to burst on the scene once Tom Brady's out of the picture. The NHL is the same thing. Conor McDavid's their best player. And he is still very young. The youth that continues to burst onto the NHL scene is amazing. And golf is the same thing. Tiger Woods is aging. He's still playing. He's still playing. He won the Masters last year. He showed you, at least in the first round of the PGA Championship, he can be in contention. Maybe not for four rounds, but he can have a round or two. They'll put him right there. In some tournaments, he can still win. But I don't think golf needs Tiger to always be atop the leaderboard, to always be in the hunt on Sundays in a major to grow the game, to get attention to the game. The young talent that is currently on the golf scene right now is incredible. Colin Morcara, 23 years old. 23. 
I'm a big Brooks Kepka fan. Him and the Bryson DeChambeau rivalry to me is good for golf. Some jabs going back and forth. Bryson is, is a polarizing figure to say the least. He's good. So he'll be, a, you know, again, one of those guys that you'll see at the name and either you'll root for him at the top or you'll root for him to fail. There's enough young talent. You still have, you know, if they can figure it out, guys like Jordan Spieth. George, uh, Justin Thomas, excuse me, very young and very talented. Rory's a guy who, if he can just figure it out, would still be really good. There's enough talent, there's enough names there, to me, where golf doesn't need Tiger Woods anymore to be relevant. Golf doesn't need Tiger two shots off the lead on a Sunday for us to tune in. Because guess what? Especially now, I hate to say it, with college football gone and a lot more majors to come in golf, not just this year, but I think there's seven majors left in the next 11 months. So we're going to have a lot of big-time golf play this next calendar year. I think we'll be a lot of us are watching a lot more golf than we would because of college football not being played. And I think once viewers, especially, again, if you're a casual golf fan that maybe don't watch as much as the diehard fan, when you see the talent that's out there, when you see the skill level, how high it is, when you see even the different styles of play, I think it'll hook you in. So I'm curious. We can continue this discussion on Twitter, Ryan underscore Hickey, the number three. Ryan underscore Hickey, the number three. So we're about to get out of here. Are you into golf? Does golf need Tiger Woods to be relevant? Does golf need Tiger Woods to be successful in order to continue to grow the game and gain viewership? I say no. I think there's enough youth. I think there's enough talent. Right now, there's a good competition to where you will have an example like we had yesterday. Seven players tied for the lead on the back nine. That's exciting golf. To me, that will get viewers watching. I'd love to get your thoughts. Again, Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three, if you want to tweet me your thoughts. I was just about to get out of here. I'd love to get that, but I'm very curious what the, what the casual golf fan thinks that if they need Tiger Woods to be relevant or not. So I'll do it for this Monday show. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate Bill Bender coming on and giving us a few minutes here. It was a depressing show. I apologize. It's been, uh, it's been not great to have Co uh, come to the realization that college football is no more. Um, but we'll see what comes from here. We'll, again, we will not have a show on a Thursday, big birthday celebration for my dad. Again, I know he's listening, so we'll say it again. Happy birthday, Dad. I know he loves the, uh, loves the attention, so we'll give you one last shout-out there. So we'll be back on Monday, a week from today, um, with all the latest breaking news on college football and everything else that goes on. So sit back, enjoy a great week. We'll talk to you Monday right here on the Worldwide Sports Story Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.